Hello. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Uva Ball Raw USA. I'm Gary Otto. Here's Dr. Uva Ball. Today we've got the midterms episode part two. Yeah. And uh, what do you think about what's going on, Uva? I mean, you remember that we said it was not a victory for the Democrats. You know, I mean, in the very beginning, there were there were seller. Uh, 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 celebrating uh, that the Democrats it was so successful in the midterms because they were expecting a total disaster and that they take the House and the, and the Senate and everything and Congress, everything. And But now they still can block everything. For the Republicans, the midterms were definitely not a total uh, loss. I mean, now they have it and they can block decisions from Biden. They can freeze budgets. And also, they can stop maybe the House committee on the January 6th uh, uh, panel. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's from the House, right? The thing with Liz Cheney and, and everything. I mean, that is the thing. It's like, if they say it's not necessary anymore, uh, then it's, they can stop it. And, you know, it's the, it, the, the whole January 6th stuff turned for me more and more into a PR facade, what the, what the Democrats kept doing uh, to keep the negative press about Trump going. But it was not really to prosecute him. I mean, if the, the, I mean, the facts were all on the table. I mean, how many witnesses you want from the riots? It was live in TV. You know, so that is the thing. It's like I never got it that they had like endless talks about people from the inside and outside of, of the, the Congress uh, reporting what happened at the day when we all saw it. The, the only question they had to answer, and they never really, I mean, they answered that question also, but then they never prosecuted Trump, is did Trump basically uh, at least railed up the troops, railed up the crowd to do what they did? And did he then later even honored it and said, thanks for the proud boys, whatever, like, I mean, he did all of this. I mean, he, he tried to overturn the election with the mob. And that is proven. And he didn't even deny that ever. So if that is not worse to prosecute, if that is not like a crime, then I really don't know what the fuck. Yeah, Merrick Garland better hurry the fuck up. Yeah, I know. It, because, I mean, then soon they will be in the... Uh, I mean, he, this week he said he will run again. What a big surprise. Oh, God. You know, and it was so the most boring announcement. Like, there was no energy in his voice. He sounded pretty defeated for someone who is announcing his presidency. Yeah, I know. But, but still, uh, the Republicans need to have uh, at least one candidate who goes for it. The Rob DeSantis never said anything so far. He didn't say yeah. I'm running for president. But it's also very early. Even Biden hasn't announced that he's going to re uh, yeah. run yet. So I think Trump is just trying to ride off the momentum 
of the recent, I don't even know, losses. I, he thought that they would be gains, right? <laughs> yeah, he's riding on the on the momentum of the losses, but it's still, I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an absurd situation, but I think he's doing all of this also, A, to stay so much in public, because he really thinks that the only reason he didn't get pro- is not prosecuted is that the Democrats are scared that if they incarcerate Trump, that you will have a civil war. I think they're scared that he has too many armed followers in a way, and that is why they leave why they leave him alone. I, I have no other explanation. It's like, why you should leave him alone? For what? Why? The Democrats should have the highest interest to fish him off the street to make sure he can never run again. Because you better believe that if the tables were turned, Republicans would already have him fucking locked up. Totally. That is the thing. It's like they would, I mean, they, they would indict Biden for his son because he made in the Ukraine a few million bucks 10 years ago as a, as a, or even longer ago, you know, like, but not as a spy. No, because he was an investor or in the board of directors of a Ukrainian uh, a company. So, I mean, what's the point? Especially if Biden was not the president. And uh, uh, I mean, that is the thing. It's like uh, now you get prosecuted for your son's speeding ticket from for 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, because they have really nothing on Biden himself. Yeah, they're talking about impeaching him. I'm like, what the fuck are they going to impeach him for? Yeah, you know, and that is the thing. But they, then they will go through, as we know from the Republicans, they will act like totally like kind of royals, like the Constitution, blah, blah, blah. And then they will go through that whole stupid impeachment bullshit where everybody knows it will never end up with an impeachment. But it doesn't matter because you keep them all busy, you get the press, all that basically media news outlets because they have nothing to show, like would jump on it 24-7. CNN, everybody, CNBC, Fox, everybody would would jump on it. And I mean, the only thing what makes me a little uh, hopeful now that Trump will not run is that uh, Fox News really dumps him now. He has a few fans still, like uh, whatever, Tucker Carlson, right, and Sean Hannity, but but mostly Fox and the press, like the Rupert Murdoch, I think is out there to get rid of him. Yeah, the Rupert Murdoch newspapers had a lot of really terrible trump headlines so i think murdoch is out of the trump game yeah yeah and then it's the question can he force like the tucker Carlson, sean hannity like this trump supporters can he force them to just support somebody else or would he have to fire them what will cost him uh too much money if, if you get rid of them out of Fox News, I think Fox News could collapse. Really? Yeah, I mean, they, they have huge ratings, you know? So it's, it's like uh, they're not so easy to replace. And, and that is the thing. Then the, the, <clears throat> the ratings go down. But, I mean, I don't know what, what he will do. I, I don't know what Rupert Murdoch will do. I don't even know how long Rupert Murdoch still wants to be alive. 
and, and <laughs> you know, it's this little like when we talked about Summer Redstone, the guy from Paramount who then died at one point, but he looked like a living death for like 15 years, and then he died with 94, 95. And it's a little similar now to Rupert Murdoch, who makes a fit impression, right? He he and Warren Edward Buffett look really fit with yeah. over 90 years old. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, it looks like he still has a few uh, good years in him. And uh, I mean, good for him, but uh, you never know. Yep, yep, nope, you never know. Rupert Murdoch could drop dead tomorrow, it's true. Yeah, and Trump also, but I have also not the feeling that Trump will drop down dead, dead tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that Trump, that's why he goes to those like secret visits to the hospital, because anything that's wrong with him, he wants it taken care of. He's like a robot. He's a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. It's like you're, <clears throat> you're not getting rid of Donald Trump. He's, he keeps going, even with like the worst food. Uh, you McDonald's? Yeah. You know, so like, what, I mean, he's basically the proven evidence that even with, if you only eat Kentucky Fried Chicken at McDonald's, you still can turn 80, 85. But we have to say both his parents were extremely uh, old when they died. Yeah. So that is, of course, uh, a huge uh, positive uh, kind of an inheritance DNA he has. Uh, so he has it in him to... Uh, to stay a long time alive. Now, yeah, I don't know. Speaking I, of DNA, wait, did you hear that Baron Trump, he was at that wedding and Baron is like over six feet tall now. That's crazy. I know. And how old is he? 13 or what? Or 12, 13? Yeah, he must be like 13 years old now. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, yeah. I mean, he looks, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to even say something negative about the kids. So yeah, but... well, you know, I just hope that he is smart enough to not uh, repeat the mistakes of his dad and become like next generation's Trump or something. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully Ivanka, not. Said that Ivanka said she's not really into the politics anymore. Uh, <laughs> I think her husband made enough money on the first term with the Saudi, <laughs> with the Saudi money, what came in. And now uh, they don't need it anymore. And, and of course, she wants to go back into the club, you know, the Kim Kardashian. Uh, to the Met, Met Gala, Met Gala, and this kind of stuff. Clap. She wants that they uh, uh, like accepting her again in all kinds of clubs and the, the private schools coming up for her kids and whatever. So she's very worried about that. So she cannot really go openly into a, a second term uh, as a Trump, even as a Trump supporter or a Trump like that. She get that she takes a. Um, any function if Trump would, would rule again, you know, but, but in the very end, who wins the next presidential election will get decided uh, very easy in how the world will develop till then. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like now that we have the G20 happening in Indonesia, uh, you know, where I, I watched the Zelensky, um, speech he did per satellite to the world leaders and uh so he said we have a peace plan he starts with we have a peace plan 
And then he's doing nothing else as for 20 minutes, trashing the Russians into the garbage can and saying after we defeat them and throw them out of Russia and make them completely responsible in the Den Haag criminal court for war crimes, then we can have peace. And of course, I mean, it's great that he says all of this and he's maybe dead on in his opinion, but that is not what somebody wants to hear who actually wants peace. Yeah. You know, if somebody wants peace and no more killing, then of course, with that speech, you're not coming 1% closer uh, to, to peace. I mean, with that speech, the, uh, even the American troops and the generals, whatever analysts are saying, it will be way harder, as he think, to finally defeat the Russians. It will be almost impossible to defeat the Russians. And the Russians, of course, have to still the big bombs in their back pocket. So, um, you know, I mean, that is the thing. It's like uh, he just is doing all of this to make everybody feels bad and to keep supporting the Ukraine with weapons and money. So that is the strategy. And he says, we're fighting for the freedom. There's only one aggressor in the whole world. It's Putin, whatever, right? And we all know that it's just not true. Yeah. There are a lot of military regimes, dictatorships, aggressors uh, from North Korea to China, uh, uh, Pakistan, like, you know, like what, what, whatever, like Afghanistan with the Taliban, uh, the Saudis, and then, and, and, I mean, there are at least like 40 dictators on the planet. And uh, yeah, they didn't went into the Ukraine. That is why Zelensky, of course, is so pissed. I mean, uh, 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 <clears throat> you know, but the reality is uh, it is a situation what will cause more and more damage to the Ukrainian people, to the Ukrainian lives, to the infrastructure and so on. And I felt like today was a good news because uh, Erdogan, another dictator, uh, basically was able, because he's a good friend from Putin, to keep the, um, here the, the, uh, the wheat, uh, what is the name of it? Wheat, right? So what they, what they plant. The production, yeah, the wheat production. The, yeah, exactly. So they, 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 the Russians are still on board with, in the deal with the Ukrainians to ship the harvest out on the big ships from the Krim, around the world and even to ship it to Africa to help Africa and whatsoever and the Russians are still okay with it. And, and wow. They still, yeah, wow. They, still, they still stay in the deal. You know? And I think uh, that is a sign that it's not completely impossible to negotiate with Putin. Hmm. You know? I mean, if you have a, I mean, with Hitler. You could not discuss. Right, it would be not like in the middle of the Second World War uh, when, when Hitler took Ukraine or whatever. They would say, and we make a deal to ship the harvest out or whatever. Hitler would just shoot everybody and say, it's my harvest. You know, I mean, that, that was Hitler. But Putin is not Hitler. 
and Putin knows the times are over where, where and, and of course his army also doesn't have the capacity to just pull pull here a Hitler. So, you know, and, and he, I think he, he adjusts to reality. And I think that there is a chance for negotiations with, with the Putin. He has pressure inside of Russia to win or settle. You know, yeah, I, yeah. the people don't want their sons getting killed. Now, now it looks like over 100,000 Russian soldiers are already dead. So now the death toll really goes up, 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 like in a real war, basically. In the beginning, it was kind of nothing. Really, there were 10,000 dead people after four or five months of the, of the war. So we all said, like, I mean, in a normal real war, way more people are dead. So, but now the death toll really goes higher. And the, the money, what the war costs, it costs at least a billion bucks a day for Putin, that war, you know. Yeah. So, so he is like on almost 150, 180 billion uh, in costs. Yeah. And so and that is what I mean. It's like, so is that not a good motivational possibility to get it over with? And uh, it's, I'm very frustrated that from the West, nobody has the balls to tell Zelensky, we, we don't have your opinion about that. We think you should make a deal in your own interest. You cannot seriously think that now the next five to 10 years, we pump every week five billion bucks into you so that you can keep fighting about completely rubbled down little towns yeah so i mean i mean that is the reality right it's not worth the money because in the very end let's say you have five more years of a war and then in the end you have to rebuild it all so you you spend the next five years to build it back and then for this of course the ukraine wants more money and uh, uh and all is this like this kind of like they we're fighting for for you we're fighting for we're fighting for the free West or whatever, but but they don't. I don't think that anybody is has even thought about rebuilding yet. I think that when that comes, it's going to be overwhelming the amount of money it's going to cost. Yeah, totally. And and uh, but I mean that is the thing. It's like it's not it's not affordable. It's uh, a bad uh, war. is always a bad investment for all sides. Only not for the weapon industry. For them it's a good a good thing you know so uh and uh it, it's kind of crazy and then we had that situation with the ukrainian racket who went basically rogue flying into poland and killed two polish people uh two days ago so and then what was the first reaction from the west what was the first reaction from the ukraine oh, putin attacks poland and then the Russians said, no, we, we didn't. Like, we, we were not doing it. And then nobody believed the Russians. And 12 hours later, it was crystal clear, it was a defense record from the Polish uh, troops, uh, what went ballistic, basically, and were flying in the wrong direction, basically. So, uh, and then now they had to accept that, that it was an accident. You know, so, I mean... It was from the Ukraine side? Yeah, it was from the Ukraine side. They, uh, they say they tried to shoot down a Russian racket or whatever, and that thing missed, and then uh, the, the racket kept flying into Poland and destroyed a building, two people in, both dead. 
Oh. So, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, but as we, as we, when we look at Zelensky, a lot of the more Putin, pro-Putin people, they say he, he did it to trigger the Third World, World War. Hmm. You know, Poland is a NATO member. If the Russians attack Poland, we're all in the war. And that yeah. is, of course, for Zelensky, that would be like the best day of his life because then he knows from now on the whole NATO bomb bombs the shit out of the Russian troops everywhere where they are. So, uh, and, and that is, it's ridiculous, you know. I mean, I, I think it was an accident. I don't, I don't think Zelensky on purpose did that. But of course, a lot of people were thinking like, yeah, this is exactly what would play in his cards. If the Russians by accident start bombing Poland, then everybody says, okay, so uh, now here, take the NATO member, we strike back. Yeah, I think there's always going to be casualties in war. So hopefully it does not lead to World War Three. No, and, and Poland is right at the border, right? So, I mean, if a racket goes like two kilometers too far, uh, boom, you are in Poland. Yeah, so, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but it's definitely the good thing in the G20 was that um, even the Chinese president said, under no circumstances, nuclear weapons are allowed in any conflict on the planet Earth. And uh, I think that was a strong message to Putin to not throw a tactical nuclear bomb. Yes. You know, so, and I think that is good if that actually, uh, uh, you know, it works. If, if, yeah, but that, I mean, it is good that, I mean, it's also like when you look into the Chinese politics, you know, of course, it's also in the interest of China because if they take Taiwan uh, and they know nobody can ever use a nuclear weapon. Who should stop them to take Taiwan? That's a good point. Yeah, it, 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 it plays totally because of China with 1.5 billion people will never get attacked. Like in the land war. I mean, what do you want to do? Well, like doing, yeah. You know, China was like 100,000 soldiers. I mean, what's the point? You know, like it's like you're done. It's like it will never work. So, but China also, because where China is, China will never do a land war uh, against US or against Europe. I mean, it's just impossible. It's, it's too far away. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so and that is the thing. So in a way, uh, what China with, with this kind of no nuclear weapons allowed, uh, they're also protecting their own interests because what they're doing is they occupy the whole world uh, per economy and people. They are in Africa everywhere. That with millions of Chinese are in Africa, millions, and they bring, they invest, they buy cities, they build infrastructure, and basically then they own Angola and they own Congo and they own like that is how China takes over the world. They're slowly getting into uh, the businesses. They're buying harbors. They they're buying companies. And uh, uh, that is like like a like an octopus basically, and uh, I think that is the idea of China finally controlling the planet. So, yeah, well, China's big enough. I think that they could if they wanted to. Yeah, they have twenty five 
They have uh, participations in 25 uh, harbors in Europe alone. They have participations in 15 airports in Europe, like where they own part of the shares. They, they, uh, they own uh, in the stock market in the US and in uh, Europe, um, at, at least 15, 20% of the stocks of all Western companies uh, are in the hand of, of China. Yeah. You know, so, and that is, uh, so when you ask now how, how, how much American money is in the Chinese companies, that, that you are maybe in one or 2%, but not in that amount. So it's like, uh, it's dangerous that you basically lose control about your own country. And then you saw that thing with Trudeau from Canada and see the Chinese guy, it was on CNN, uh, <clears throat> where to the, the Chinese president shook the hand from Trudeau and so Trudeau said a few days ago or a week ago that China was interfering in Canadian politics, like from within Canada. Okay. With like spies and people there, they're on the ground. And I mean, I lived in Vancouver. There are like 40% Asians, 50% Asians. So, and you know, so, and, and then C said that was not good that you... Uh, release that to the press. Yeah. That you uh, and he said we believe in a free press and uh, uh, and freedom, and we call out the truth. So Trudeau countered him, and then Xi only looked at him like, <laughs> "You fucking Canadian idiot!" Like whatever. Like and then 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 uh, he he walked away from him, right? But I think that it was good that Trudeau said that because. Uh, that is the reality, right? So uh, we, we believe, or we should believe, in transparency. We should believe in uh, if something goes wrong, you have to call it out and not like doing only diplomacy the whole time and always smiling and acting like everything is fine. It's not. It's like there's a lot of, fine, of Chinese interference uh, on this planet. Oh, yeah. I was reading that... Uh... What's his name? Uh, Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, is extremely concerned about the uh, effect TikTok has on United States people from China, how they can influence people through the app uh, culturally. It's like brainwashing, they say. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that is the situation. I'm, I'm still happy that the G20 exists, that they talk together because as long as you talk, you, you don't do wars, you know? And yeah. uh, I hope that, that China is not swallowing up Taiwan, that they just do this, what they always did. They coexist with Taiwan and let, yeah. them, let them be. I mean, it's also uh, uh, for both sides lucrative with all the chip dealing, like with the computer chips Taiwan is manufacturing. And the same, the same thing should, I mean, you should learn from Putin now, because what is, let's say Putin would took the Ukraine, but then what's the point? That yeah. you, how you control 40 million Ukrainians, they all now playing game, like they're all like happy. If you took them, you say, okay, Ukraine is Russian now. And then you have 40 million that just follow you every day and they're brainwashed right away. They go to work and pay taxes to Moscow. Total bullshit. 
It's like you have a, you have a population what still keeps talking when they all speak Russian too, but they they talk Ukrainian and they will not cooperate. It will be a pain in the ass for like ten years to occupy a country and to keep controlling the country. It will never work. It's like it, you know in the in the in the old colonies in Africa where you had like ten thousand or hundred thousand people like and no internet and no real work or whatsoever, you know, the, 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 you just went there with an army and plundered out Africa as a colony. That worked for a time, right? So you enslaved them, basically. But in today's time, like today, uh, with, with civilized countries where everybody has a house, internet, uh, TV, a car, a job, how you want to do this? How, how you want to be making them not resisting they will yeah so my I, I think that is uh for putin that idea to i take the whole ukraine and they will be super happy to see me and to follow the russian rules only a dictator who's already a little like handicapped in his brain could believe on this yeah so and i hope that the chinese and taiwan that the Chinese getting it like they will not like just hand over everything and say we are happy to be now Chinese and from now on manufacturing all the computer chips for the Chinese and uh, whatever. I mean, I, I don't think that, that it will happen. I hope that they don't attack Taiwan and that they learn from from the situation in the Ukraine. But on the other hand, with the excluding of nuclear bombs, of course, China is not so threatened anymore that American troops, physically, directly American troops, will protect Taiwan and you have a war on the ocean with ships shooting at each other, Americans against China. I don't think that, I don't think America can afford that, to be honest. They, they, no. they cannot do it. They cannot go that risk. It's like we would lose. Are you kidding me? We would yeah, lose. I, totally, I agree too. It's like, and and uh, Taiwan is also very, uh, like, it's an island. So it's like, you know, it's like a big island in Hawaii in a way. So you're like, what you want to do? I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, what are we going to protect Taiwan if China decided to go in? They yeah. would. You know, yeah. they and they would win. That's, it's just the way it is. Three kilometers from the Chinese ocean, the harbor, whatever, right? So it's it's not like a long drive over the sea or whatever. It's like basically in ten minutes, all the ships are there. So, um, yeah, I mean that is the status quo on the on the planet. So, some news about my product. Oh, yeah, actually, wait. There's yeah, so 12, 12 hours, right? So, I mean, I was able in uh, L.A. I met uh, Ethan Menekes. So he's a, he's actually a, a, turned out to be a fan of Postal, what is very good. And he worked with, in all the movies together with Robert Rodriguez. And he edited Sin City from Dust of Down. And uh, he shot as a director also, Mashidi with Danny Trejo, Robert De Niro. Oh. And he, yeah, and he uh, will edit uh, 12 hours, what is very Excellent. good. So I go, I go for 12 hours more in the direction of uh, 
changing the crews up, you know, having, having, uh, um, I mean, of course I want Matthias Neumann as my cameraman, but, and Jessica DeRoy will make the music. Was also interesting, another guy at the AFM at the film market I was in Los Angeles said, uh, he has the Rampage music from Jessica DeRoy, like uh, when he's doing spinning classes, he, he's listening to the Rampage music. So it was positive for me to see that a lot of my films made the rounds also in the industry. People watched that films, but I never got feedback. You know, they are not the, they are not the people that go to my Facebook and discuss with me or the people that post something in, uh, in the internet or whatever. But it was good to see that a lot of people at least watched Postal and saw uh, what exceptional film that was. Oh, yeah. Like a crazy, exceptional, satirical viewpoint about the earth we're living in and uh, nothing similar um, is made. And then what I learned in LA too, talking to the streamers, talking to production companies, that all are, yeah, a little in the uh, Vogue culture, cancel culture culture, uh, yeah, trapped. You know, I think everybody who works for a TV channel or a major studio or a streamer is kind of scared to yeah. do edgy things, to do political incorrect things, to do political things, because they're all like the whole time are scared to get canceled. And um, that is, of course, overall not good for the, for the world, you know, for the, for the world we're living in, also not good for artists who want to express themselves. I mean, it cannot be that the only uh, critical voices are stand-up comedians. You need also filmmakers making political films. Uh, and I think that is that, in a way, is a little dying off because that edgy films they're doing from time to time are not really political. They are like half-ass talking about a world or a society in the future and blah 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 but they're not concrete political like what post was you know post was a very concrete film about 9-11 the taliban afghanistan war uh, religion uh, bush all of this was in post it was not digging around in the fantasy world it was like all about our world in a yes. drive story. And I think that was the value of Post, that it, it, it uh, you know, the job interview, the, um, the social security, the, the uh, welfare office with the shootout there, and, you know, and, and the bulletproof glass they have before they hand out the, your unemployment money. So I think that is all like extremely, it was, it was a very extremely important film and it's too bad that stuff like this is not uh, getting done, but it was very good that at the AFM people saw the value and, and they, they, not at the AFM, but before, you know, that they watched it. And uh, I'm sure millions of millions of people watched Postal, but not paid. Yeah. You know, they just watched it on like illegal websites and how many times it was on YouTube and then we delisted it on YouTube and then it was back there. So, uh, 
yeah, so the, the back to 12 hours. I mean, we are really set to shoot in March in, in Cape Town uh, in South Africa. The problem are still there is no actor. And uh, I, I, uh, we made to various actors offers. It's all going very slow. We had uh, um, talks to the agencies. They are basically, uh, you know, you have, you have William Morris. Uh, you have UTA and you have CAA who bought also, also ICM. So you basically have four agencies who have all the known actors under control. And uh, I don't know what the problem is so far because the script, people love the script. The, the script comes, is getting good to cross and it's, it's not a politically correct film. It's just an action film. And uh, so, so far we couldn't hire somebody and I cannot go and hire like the side actors first, you know, because if you make an offer to an actor, you basically are bind to pay him. Yeah. So, and when I say now, whatever, like our main cast is Jacob is the main actor. Uh, he would shoot the full shooting. Like the, he would be five, six weeks in, in, uh, in Cape Town. But then we have, for example, the guy who plays his father. So, and of course, I cannot cast an older guy playing the father of an actor I don't have. I mean, yeah. fit, you know, that, that, that it's believable that it could be the father. And uh, so, and so this, this person I cannot cast. We thought about like Gary Oldman, like, like a guy like this could be the father, right? But I cannot go to Gary Oldman. And then in the end, I'm getting a completely... Uh, an actor who totally doesn't look like Gary Oldman at, at all. We cannot say it's his father. And then we have uh, the bad guy who wants to be president in South Africa. But I also uh, would have to make an offer to like a Morgan Freeman, of course, would take a whatever, making an offer to people like this. And then I'm bound to pay them even if I don't shoot the film. And yeah. it's too high of a risk. You know, because I cannot shoot the film with, I worked with big stars, right? And uh, I need to go back to casts I had on Alone in the Dark, on Blood Rain, on uh, in the Name of the King. I need stars of that level to make 12 hours because otherwise I'm ending up with no real deal for the film. And I'm just selling to the same buyers uh, they are around, uh, you know, the same buyers who bought uh, Southern Wall Street or whatever. And I think when you, in retrospective, you look back to my films, think about Darfur. If in Darfur, let's take in Darfur Billy Zane out and have George Clooney as an example. Yeah. I think Darfur would maybe get nominated for a, an Oscar. Oh, yeah. Because it was an absolute breathtaking, nerve-wracking, extremely important film, very well made about a big genocide, like what Hotel Rwanda was. And the, the, the reason uh, that uh, it didn't is all my cast was good, but was not in the A-list anymore. 
and I need people from the A-list to make a film valuable and believable or I cannot make the film, period. And I will not make 12 hours, it would be a shame, if I don't get, uh, like, in a way, hot actors who are valuable for the streamers and, and the, the, the studios. So, and I think it's a great possibility for an actor to shine. It's like, we basically with that actor for the whole show, you know? And uh, the same, by the way, like uh, uh, Saul Watts, uh, Watts would be the same. I mean, Dominic Purcell was really good, but with, what is if Dominic Purcell would be gone and Matt Damon played the Saul Watts role? Oh. You know, I mean, that, that would be, or Christian Bale or something, somebody on this size, Salt on Wall Street from the script and what happens in the film was 10 times better as Wall Street 2. Oh, Wall Street 2 was terrible. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Assault yeah. on Wall Street is a, is a classic. Yes, but, but because, I mean, I had good cast, but I didn't have great cast. Especially with the, you know, especially with the, with the, the main actor, Dominic Purcell is a very strong, good TV actor, prison break whatsoever, but um, he's not moving the needle to where I need the needle now. Yeah. You know, so, and that is the thing. But if I see what a lot of actors playing and see them in TV shows, I see them in TV series, I think, oh my God, I don't get it. Why not the agents are more eager in a way uh, to, to put a real name on 12 hours because that film can brand another actor now as the new Liam Neeson, as the new uh, Gerald Butler or Jason Stetson. What about um, what's that guy's name? Um, the guy who's making a comeback in in the fat guy, um, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, I know, but look, he has this art house movie now, The Whale. The Whale. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. The, yeah, yeah. So that's why is, I say the fat guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and, and I mean. Think about how he started. He started like Indiana Jones in the Mummy and everything. He was a good-looking, sportive superstar, and then he turned very bitter, I think, depressed and and overweight. And uh, now I'm very happy that he has kind of a comeback. I didn't watch the whale. I I don't know when it's coming out, but it got a lot of buzz, also Oscar buzz, and it would be great to bring him back on the map. Um, now is a good time to try for someone like him. He's about to make a comeback, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, in a way, you're right. We should really check his name right away if he's available because I mean, uh, yeah, and he's been losing weight. He's not like, and he wore a fat suit in that movie, but even so, he has he looks okay, he looks good. Yeah, good point. So, see. At the end of our podcast today, we're coming to more casting uh, ideas, and we will we will uh, move on them and see uh, see where we stand. Uh, but he um, he's definitely on back, trying to get a, a comeback or coming into a comeback situation. You yeah, know? he played the bat the bad guy in the Batgirl film that got shelved over at Warner Brothers. 
Yeah, I mean, that will not help us say this because nobody will ever see it. Yeah, but he's trying to do a different kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was basically, that was also interesting that on Zaslav, uh, the uh, Warner Brothers boss, he said uh, the reason why he cut so much with HBO and the international things with HBO was he said a few years ago, HBO spent three billion in productions uh, a year and then, uh, and they made three billion. And he said, and then they start spending seven billion, and they still made three billion. Oh. And, and and he said that it doesn't make any sense. He said a lot of things on HBO, uh, nobody's watching them, and uh, and I agree. You know why I think a lot of why keeping why people keep HBO is for me the things they they work like what what they had with Game of Thrones, and. Then, of course, Euphoria, some TV shows on HBO are so good, people keep paying for HBO. But they don't need tons of product. You need yeah. Bill Mayer, you need John Oliver. There are things like, I would keep HBO just for Bill Mayer and for the talk show. And I, I was a big HBO fan because of the boxing, and then they canceled the boxing. Oh, that was a big mistake. Big mistake. I 100% agree. They could totally have the biggest... I mean, they were so good. The reporters of HBO were 10 times better in boxing as uh, uh, on Showtime or on The Zone now. And uh, if they would be still uh, showing boxing, they would make massive money. And uh, um, I mean, that, that was a big mistake. I just still cannot believe it. that The, the boxing channel on the planet Earth uh, stop airing boxing because yeah I mean, HBO has been doing boxing for 30 years or something no longer 50 years they 50 did, years yeah okay. they, even before Muhammad Ali they were already on it and think about when was uh, the, the rumble in the jungle from uh, 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 from Ali uh, Foreman you know and the or the Ali fights against uh, uh, Joe Frazier and oh yeah, look, 1974. Wow. 84, 94, 2004, 2014. So 40 years. 40 years of boxing. And Swilla and Manila was, you know, like, and, and, and then they canceled it. That was, I couldn't believe it. I was so shocked. It was like, I, I got almost depressed about it. I couldn't believe it. And, and I think Zaslav sees it right, that you need some stuff what keeps people on because they want to watch the next season and or they want to watch that special documentary what nobody has or they want to watch the, the live uh, talk shows like the Bill Mayer or boxing and you remember also Vice was super good in the beginning on HBO like every week was a Vice episode with another like report from the front line somewhere yeah. from whatever the the, the, the human trafficking, Afghanistan, Syria, and then Vice got sold and disappeared from HBO. And now Vice is total crap. You can watch it on YouTube and nobody gives a shit about it. Oh, Vice is fucking, their articles are pretty dumb, honestly. Yeah, yeah. and they totally <laughs> lost the, 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 the attraction uh, for most of the people. But I loved Vice on HBO that were high-end uh, reports from around the world from from very dangerous uh, locations and and they were there in the middle of the war and stuff 
and I loved Vice, and then it disappeared, and it disappeared also from HBO. So HBO got weaker, definitely. And uh, I agree with Zaslav when he said they produced more, more and more crap, what cost tons of money, and nobody ever watched it. And, uh, and he wants to go backwards on it. And he wants to uh, uh, go more like where it really matters to put the money in. And uh, well, it's, it's it should be quality over quantity for sure. Absolutely, but for for a thing like like you know, Netflix lives from the quantity because they just have every day something new, and they're producing like nobody else. And I think that is the sales pitch from Netflix. Like you find something every day new, and every week you have five, six, seven new things, and you think, "Oh my God, did I have the doku show now? Do I have to watch that film? Do I have the TV series?" That is that, but but that, I think for Netflix that is the right choice. But for HBO, it was always the quality. Yes, and you have the best of the best, and I think HBO should not lose that branding. You know, so I but, agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. I hope our next podcast I can report we got an actor. You know, I mean. Yeah, it's... yeah. Hopefully, hopefully everything goes good with twelve hours. I want the movie to be made, and all you guys out there need to see it when it is made. So okay. let's think positive. Okay. So, okay, okay. Yeah. Yes. We'll see you next time, guys. Why don't you follow Uva Ball on Twitter, Uva Ball Seven? I'm Gary Otto Zero, and we will see you very soon. Okay. Bye. 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 Take care.